All right, hello everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik-Chanko and welcome to our monthly thought leadership series. And this month's topic is customer experience, which I know everyone's super excited to talk about. One of our favorite topics, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So this uh, session is sponsored by GleanTap. So I'd like to thank them. And um, yeah, if you guys have any questions during the panel, please feel free to put those in the chat or the Q&A and we'll get to them um, if we have time. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and have each of our panelists go around and introduce themselves, um, share a little bit about their facilities and a fun fact. Um, Scott, let's start with you. Oh, great. Thanks, Rachel. Hey, good afternoon. My name is Scott Morris, and I'm the Vice President of Operations for the Crunch Fitness Franchise. Uh, I've been in the business industry for about 30 years, and I've been with Crunch for the last five years. Uh, Crunch is one of the fastest growing fitness franchises in the world with over 400 locations currently open and hundreds more in development. Uh, we, we make serious fitness fun by infusing innovative classes and programming and really having a really strong customer focused background. And that combination really, you know, resonates with our members and really helps us to really drive that member retention that we're going to talk about today. Um, my, my fun fact, uh, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, and when I was uh, younger, around the age of 10 years of age, uh, in my local church, I was a drummer uh, for our, our church choir. So our drumming uh, at the age of 10 for the church choir is my fun fact. Very cool. Um, question for you, Skyline or Gold Star Chili? Oh, of course, Skyline, all day. All day Skyline. <laughs> I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, debate, we're going to have to have a debate on that one. Okay, Awesome. Um, Anne, let's go ahead and jump to you. Okay, thanks, Rachel. Yeah, my name is Anne Reeder. I'm the general manager of a club in Westlake Village, California called Westlake Athletic Club. We have tennis, pickleball, swim, and gym and group X classes. And we're one of seven clubs in California, except for one club in Utah. Awesome. A fun, you know, I stumbled on a fun fact about me. So I have determined that I'm either extremely boring or I'm extremely transparent and everyone knows everything. I, <laughs> and I think it's somewhere in between. Well, you did just get back from a two week trip to Italy. Oh yeah, no, I did. I do love to travel. <laughs> I will mention maybe it applies to this, but I don't come from the fitness industry. I was in high tech for a long time. So right. it's kind of interesting how I ended up mm -hmm. in the position that I am. It wasn't, if you had asked me seven, eight years ago, I wouldn't have told you I'd be here, but I yeah. love it. Yeah, certainly. Awesome. Um, Catherine, how about you? Sure. So uh, good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for joining. My name is Catherine Porter. I'm the executive director for Carl Health and Fitness Center, which is a one club um, in Bloomington Normal. That's um, central Illinois. And um, we are a medically based facility. So in conjunction with the hospital here, just serving the community to try and help everyone live a healthier life. Medical fitness is just unique in that um, we look for those, those niche populations that we can help with exercise. So we have an exercises medicine program. We have a multiple sclerosis program, Parkinson's program. And those folks get to exercise in this facility, just like the apparently healthy population. Uh, so very unique, love what I do, exercise physiologist by education, but in a business role here in the center. And um, we do member service and member experience very well. Um, and we, that we try and set ourselves apart with that. So um, unique fact about myself, I tap danced for 15 years as a, as a child. And um, at a previous club, Life Fitness found out about that. And so they were doing magazine articles and they asked me to be in a magazine article with my tap shoes and my top hat and a cane <laughs> um, to just um, <laughs> highlight sort of everyday people in an exercise setting. So I believe that image, my poster is still up at the, um, at the facility in Franklin Park, Illinois. So um, that's fun about me. That's funny. We're gonna need to send someone there to corroborate that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, Khaled, go ahead. I can't follow that fun fact. Come on now. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Khaled Almasri, a regional director for Texas Family Fitness here in the DFW area. So we're a, we're a Dallas 
a local brand born here in DFW, um, 12 clubs. I oversee six as a, a regional director. So we're an HVLP model. Um, we like to call ourselves HVLP 2.0. So the 2.0 is the high service model. So we're kind of uh, creating a new category. And uh, fun fact about me, I was actually born in Beirut, Lebanon. Uh, I moved to the United States when, when I was five. I actually grew up in San Luis Obispo. So Westlake, we played Westlake in, in my senior year in high school, the final championship game for football. We played oh, Westlake. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> rivals on the panel. Right. Rivals. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Lisa. Well, howdy from Corpus Christi, Texas. My name is Lisa Gorsline. I am the president and general manager of the Corpus Christi Athletic Club. Uh, we are a family-oriented facility. We, I have about 150 employees. We have one club. Um, and a fun fact about myself, I've got to give this to Rachel. She nicknamed me Miss Hallmark because I enjoy um, <laughs> making cards for people. I love crafting. So that's my nickname. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> yes, it's very joyous awesome. if you get a card from Lisa. So <laughs> awesome. Um, and then I'll share a fun fact since it's my birthday month, um, which is September 20th. I'm actually born on my mom's birthday, which oh, is cool. kind of cool. But yeah, yeah. good. Excellent. Yeah. Same here on my dad on my dad's birthday. Really? So yeah, okay. I'm with you there, Rachel. I'm with you. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, great, guys. I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and dive into the questions. Um, I'm going to start with, you know, I'm just really curious. What does great customer service look like today from your all's perspective? What do you think today's consumers have come to expect? Um, Lisa, let's start with you. Well, thank you. I think, first of all, we have to, especially after the hard times that we've been through the past couple of years, I think it's important that we meet the members where they're at. I think that makes a big difference. And secondly, I think that we need to make sure we respond to our members very quickly, that we don't let a lot of time lapse between the time that they contact us, whether they have a question, whether they have a complaint, an issue, or just a comment. I think it's very important to be very proactive and to respond back very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Scott, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think okay. that we have. I think that we have uh, an opportunity to really anticipate those members' needs. I think that customer service is taken for granted uh, in in a lot of cases, and I think that members' expectations uh, have really decreased over time. And those, I think, those successful operators and those successful businesses are ones that can anticipate the needs of their members and really can get that real, genuine connection with them. Uh, it's interesting. I, I think that there's really a combination. Members want seamless entry. They want ease of use, just like Lisa, you just mentioned. But at the same time, I think they want us to engage. I think they want to hear from us. And I think that they want us to hear them. So I think that it's a combination of, on the one hand, um, really engaging, but at the same time, uh, they want ease of use and ease of access to the gyms. Yeah, for sure. Catherine, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I agree with, I think the expectation of members is probably pretty low. So I think that's great for us because when we have great customer service, we're able to get their attention. Um, and I think at the core of great customer service is building those authentic relationships and building the trust. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes yes. much easier for us to, to deliver this great customer service and um, and building trust takes time, and that's where those systems comes in place. And but um, I think at the core of great customer service is that we are authentically trying to build those relationships to help those folks that are are walking within our doors. So I would say that that is really that's really the crux of it. Yeah, Khaled, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I think for uh, for you know, for us and the way we look at it is how do we create like an effortless experience, right? So, and you almost have to look at customer service on two angles. One, how does the, how does the experience when a member first, when they join and that relationship, we always say the relationship doesn't start once they sign it actually, or it doesn't end once it's signed, it starts once they sign up 
So what's that experience look like? And then on the other side, we talked about getting to the customer and handling situations right away. How do we create that effortless experience to where there's not a lot, there's not a lot of friction, right? Um, are we are we coaching our teams on how to handle some of those situations when it comes to customer service or the billing or updating information to where we don't create disloyal members because they had to jump through so many hoops to get something done? So I think you don't have to. You gotta attack now customer experience from two different from two different views. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, one other thing I just want to call out based on what Kyle just mentioned. Uh, I think that it's important that we continue to look for those win-win um, opportunities when we're engaging with our members. So we want to make sure that it's not a uh, an adversarial situation or that we're we're chasing bad profits, as I like to say. I think that it really comes down to we should always be looking to how can we make sure that member is going to be a promoter. How's that member going to feel positive about us and speak positively about us moving forward? So I think it's important that we look at every situation is how can it benefit the business, but also what's going to be in, in the best interest and how is going to, this member going to really respond and take that experience away? Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think of like even the cancellation process too. I know, um, you know, you guys talked about creating frictionless experiences and that that's one area where, you know, sometimes there can be a little bit more friction than maybe the consumer's wanting. Um, do you guys feel like that's an important area to consider in, for this topic too? Yeah, it's always it's always a tough one though, right? You're almost kind of a double-edged sword with that conversation of, you know, do you create a frictionless experience and allow someone to cancel online without ever coming in and speaking to somebody where sometimes they can't they are having a hard time getting out of their own way of getting in, you know, getting motivated. So coming in and speaking to the manager, maybe be able to maybe can help reignite some of that what got them in in the first place, something got them in the door, right? They had a goal, something happened. And, and by going online and just canceling, it doesn't allow me to sit down and say, well, look, you came in two months ago because of X, what's changed and how do we get you reignited back on your fitness goals? Yeah. Go ahead, Ann. Yeah. Um, I actually am a big believer in making it fairly painless. Um, we're lucky. My club really is um, already has that customer service. I think that's why most of our members are with us. We, we aren't the best, but customer service is high. Um, and I find that uh, the easier I make it for them, the more likelihood they'll come back. Um, they won't have a negative feeling and it happens quite a bit. Some people, it's just a moment in time. Um, and kind of to hop on your comment about uh, meeting uh, where the customers are at, I think that also includes, there's some who don't want to engage. They kind of want to come in, a hello is fine. And then you let them on their way. And just having a front desk, that's very sensitive to you know, I do believe in meeting them where they're at, which could be a combination of how are you doing? How's your wife and kids to hi, have a great day. Oh, you're going to work out and letting them through. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it doesn't always mean over, um, uh, over talking to them too much because there are those that like to just come in, do their business, be friendly, but let them go on their way. Yeah, that's what's hard about customer experience and gyms, right? Is that everyone's expectations are completely different. Definitely. Yeah. And Lisa, I will say on customer service for us right. because during COVID, we were one of the few um, clubs that had a pool open. So we got inundated with members when the pools opened up again. I'm LA County, by the way, which was very, very strict. Yeah. So um, we got a bunch of members from different pools. And my expectation was that we would lose them as soon as those pools opened up. And I have to say there's one um, club that is probably more than half, I mean, less than half of what we cost per month. And many of them, I was kind of waiting as soon as that opened up, I, you know, hold my breath. And I would say we kept 80% of them and they all commented that I've been at that club 10 years, five years and um, they never knew my name. You knew my name the first week, by the third time I came in. And so they're paying double or triple what they normally pay simply because we knew their name. That's powerful. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Go ahead, Lisa. Yeah, and we take the opportunity to learn from a terminate as well. Um, we want to find out why are they terminating? Did we do something to upset them? Did they have a bad experience? Of course, it's already too late at that time, but it gives us the opportunity 
to develop and improve upon whatever that situation that they, they experience to make it better for the next person. Yeah. Yeah. I got to get that feedback for sure. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, I'd love to hear also from you guys, just some maybe specific things you guys are doing at your clubs to ensure a positive member experience. So I think if you wouldn't mind going around and just sharing some examples, that would be great. Um, Khalid, let's start with you. Yeah. So for us, I mean, we do a few things, right? So the minute, um, say you sign up as a member, um, you know, within that next day, a thank you card goes out, um, handwritten by the GM or the fitness manager with some, uh, VIP passes. Um, you know, seven days later, a thank, uh, a welcome call goes out, uh, or actually three days later, a welcome call goes out from our GM. Uh, 10 days later, our fitness manager calls just to check in on how the experience is. And then 30 days later, our GM, because now you're a month in, we want to know how's, how's that month, how's it been for you the last 30 days? So we do touch points, thank you card, three-day phone call, 10-day phone call, 30-day phone call, GM, FM, to really get the, because we got I got 30 days to create the best experience I can give you so that you don't cancel. And we want to make, or because you look, I tried this for a month. It didn't work. I didn't see the results. I'm going to go somewhere else or I'm going to quit. So I got, we got 30 days to engage you with the gym and why not create like a friendly face? I'm your GM, I'm your FM and a uh, fitness manager and, and get that experience going. Yeah. Yeah. Those personal connections are super important. They're, they're huge. I think that's what, going back to what Ann was talking about, right? We That knowing their first name, you know, hey, Ann, welcome in. How you doing today? What are you working today? Uh, how was your workout yesterday? And you'll be surprised. Like, man, you remember. I got that all the time. Like, how was your, how was your son's soccer game right. last weekend? Like, you remember that? I'm like, of course. And so it's those little, like, those little wins are going to create that big difference of why I'm going to pay $100 a month and keep paying that and stay with you. Or how do I make a, a high volume, low price club feel like a high end, make them feel like, wow, I'm getting, I'm paying this, but it's actually feeling like I'm paying X dollars more because of the experience I'm getting. Yeah. Makes sense. Right. Scott, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Echoing that, that statement right there, that, that uh, less transactional experience, we really have to really stress in our high volume, uh, you know, high value model that we have uh, similar to Cal's there. So I think the first thing is that more personalized uh, member experience and engaging with those members. But I think it starts with staff training. I think the more proficient your staff is, how educated they are, how engaged they are, that really is gonna help enhance that member experience. Because really everything boils back to, are you clean? Are you friendly? And are you listening to, to my concerns or my are the uh, favorable thoughts that I'm giving you as well? So the first thing is training our staffs and testing for profi prof proficiency would be the first thing that I would call out. Uh, second thing is uh, we have a consistent cleaning uh, protocol uh, model that everybody is required to follow. So cleaning checklists, uh, you know, specific objectives that all the clubs are, are required to, to maintain inside of the club. So that helps with that cleaning and membership experience. And then the last thing I think most importantly is listening to the members feedback. And responding to that feedback, so we use a we use a port uh, a service management portal. SMG is a company that, that we work with, uh, and we survey the members, uh, you know, current members, uh, former members. We also get you know website feedback from our from our members, uh, and so from all those surveys, we're tracking NPS scores, we're tracking friendliness scores, and really training on how are we engaging those customers. Re resolving the issues that they might have and really learning and then making the necessary changes inside of our gyms to enhance that overall member satisfaction. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Catherine, can you share some specific examples from your facility? Sure, so if I can go a step before Scott's example and just talk about hiring for culture fit. Mm -hmm. So um, training is definitely important, but we have to have the right people in those roles to train so that we we have a culture that we is, is very specific. And so we're hiring for that culture fit. We're taking those folks and then training them for the job that we want them to do. Um, and then there's this, there's this positive feedback or maybe it's just a feedback. Maybe it's not all positive though. Mm -hmm. So when we're um, getting feedback from members, whether it's from surveys, one-on-one -on -one conversations, standing at the front desk, saying, singing our praises or giving us a opportunity to do something better, 
um, we're feeding that back to the staff. So they're all learning from this feedback loop that we're getting. Um, so that's really the staff part of it. Um, the staff then help to run the onboarding like Khalid was talking about, right? The onboarding of when we're calling and, and emailing and trying to get them back in. But I think too is one of the, the positive member experiences that we're actually delivering what we've promised when they signed up. So right. sort of having, making sure that when we say you're gonna have a fitness coach, we're gonna give you an exercise prescription, we're gonna follow up in two weeks, we're going to see you in 12, um, that, that's happening. And so all of those systems then we put in place are gonna make sure that 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 brand value, that proposition that we're selling is actually being delivered. I think that helps to build that trust. I think it helps to, pr to provide the example or the experience that we want. Um, you know, and then after that, that 90 day onboarding period where we've done everything we said we were gonna do with this fantastic staff and delivering customer service, um, we then have, we're retaining that member. So yeah, sort of rolling it all into one. <laughs> No, that's a great point, Catherine, because you're right. Um, if you're marketing, you know, certain um, aspects of your culture, nothing's going to upset a customer more than them walking in the door and being like, oh, this isn't what I signed up for. This is not what you've been advertising. So, yeah, that's that's a really great point. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Lisa. Yeah, what are your... I... yeah. Oh, go ahead, Scott. Oh, just one other thing. I just wanted to, and I know we're going to probably talk about that. Sorry, Lisa. Uh, just getting those individuals engaged into the gym as well. I think that helps with positive member experience. So whether it's getting in for, um, you know, a kickoff, an orientation, or engaging them, inviting them in to take classes, or whatever your on your member onboarding um, delivery looks like. I think the sooner, uh, you know, speaking to Anne's point there, that we get those folks engaged inside of the gym, that will help them with that positive member experience. They'll know what to do. They'll know where to go. They'll feel more empowered. And I think those things help. And that's really more proactive than what we're talking about at the end when it's they come in to cancel or they come in and they have a complaint. How do, we, how do we keep them and get them on our side back to making them and, and turning them into prom promoters right away? It's gonna be how do we onboard them and then how do we kind of bring them into the family? Yeah, certainly. Lisa. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. Good point, Scott. You know, statistics show that 72% of the people that stop using our clubs are new members. So it's important that we engage the new members within the first 90 days. We, we have to integrate them into our club the first 90 days. Our chances of renewal go down um, even further. So what we try to do is we try to do anything we can do to drum up a conversation because nobody likes to exercise. Well, okay, maybe our personal trainers do, but exercise is usually not fun to the deconditioned market. So we try to find ways to make it fun. We try to celebrate something every day. Um, we've got a puzzle um, board by our front desk where um, our members can sit down and work on puzzles together. We have a bring a book, take a book where a member, they finish reading a book, they bring the book, they drop it off. And then a member sitting in the lobby says, oh, is that your favorite author? Oh yeah, how'd you like that book? And all of a sudden, all we're doing is trying to create that conversation so that our new members feel like they have a connection with other members in the club. We also send um, thank you notes to our top 20 spenders each year, just kind of thanking them for being a loyal member. And I try to personalize it. So if they have a little boy that's in tennis, I normally say thank you for your loyalty at the Corpus Christi Athletic Club. I'm so glad Johnny is enjoying tennis lessons with Scott. Um, I love seeing him on the court or whatever. So, so my take on it is we've got to make our clubs more than a place to come and work out. We need to make it a community. We, make, we need to make it comfortable and we need to do things outside of working out so that they've got a reason to come to our club and have fun. Yeah. I mean, this is where clubs are really at an advantage too, because we can get to know the members on a really personal level. Whereas if you just go into Best Buy or Target, I mean, they're not going to know <laughs> anything yeah. about you. Right. So, yeah. Um, Anne, can you share some specific examples? 
Yeah. Um, so as far as customer service, one thing I always tell my, I, I don't know if you remember, Rachel, at the conference last week, how often the front desk was brought up. Mm-hmm. And they are so key for that. It's a first um, face they see. Um, to comment about the training, I actually start training them in my <laughs> interviews with them. Um, like I think it was Lisa and Catherine talked about where you talk about your, the culture. Um, I talk about, I, I ask them what they do in certain situations, um, if a uh, member is angry. So the training really begins in my first interview with them, because uh, I think it's important that they know what the culture is before they come in. But um, I think another important aspect, because the front desk, really all our employees are important. Um, I always tell my president, I go, um, my uh, members aren't my only customer. My employees are also my customer mm-hmm. because if they're not happy, they can't turn around and be happy with the members. So I really focus on supporting them. Um, I encourage them to do things. If they make a mistake, hey, feel free to offer them a drink. Um, don't think that I'm going to get upset that you gave a free drink. Really supporting them in doing customer service. And um, that has never backfired on me. No one has ever done anything. Oh, you get a free year of membership or something. They really, they take it seriously, but they feel supported. So they feel like they can kind of do anything with the customer, Um, teaching them to anticipate needs. There's customers who like to prefer a certain court or certain pool lane. And it's okay when they come in, oh, you're in lane six. Hey, Joe, I think I I remember you like lane one and that's available. Would you like to? And again, that's letting them realize that I know you, I, I know you like lane one and I'm gonna do something for you. It's amazing how something that simple, um, you know, you actually have people taken aback by it going, oh, oh my gosh, yeah, that would be wonderful. And then comment about it later. But I think you have to support the staff so that they feel they can support the members. It's just as important. Yeah, so that was a huge um, topic at the Club Solutions Leadership Retreat last week was how do you empower staff so that they can provide a great customer service, especially at the front desk, because they're oftentimes getting the most, you know, issues or complaints brought to their attention. So, yeah, do you guys have any thoughts on that on how you can ensure that your staff are empowered to be able to say yes to certain things or fix issues? Catherine. Yeah, we talk about um, giving the staff the tools in their toolbox, and then it's very cliche phrase, but what can they do in certain situations? And we've learned over the years, what are those situations that happen most often? And and try and train staff or give staff those tools to be able to um, maybe not solve it completely, but they can address it. So... And addressing it is better than saying, I don't know, I have to ask my manager, I have to go, you know, there's nobody here to answer your question, so I can't help you type thing. And that's really helped. And what's also great is then the staff become creative in solutions as well of, can we do this? And, And yes, so they start participating in the solution and how to solve some of the issues that we have. Um, and that I think that's very powerful too. So we we have tools in the toolbox of of, of things that they can do when certain situations happen. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Scott, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I think that you have to empower those individuals. And by doing that, they will take ownership. And I think that's the biggest thing that we all have been striving for uh, with those team members, especially the MSRs, the front desk team members. Um, when I go into clubs and and I ask a person you know, what their role is, and if I, somebody just says, I'm just here to check people in, I kind of get a sense of what that training looks like or what that person's value, how do they feel their value is is interpreted by their leadership? Other clubs I come into, like the the one here today that I'm in in Athens, Georgia, you know, they're talking about empowering employees, uh, assigning additional responsibilities. The more we do that, the more those folks will stick with us, the more they'll feel empowered and they'll take ownership of everything that happens. they'll, They'll make this their house. Uh, and they'll really drive to take care of those members. But I think uh, that as everybody has mentioned, we have to give them the tools uh, to be able to do that and then trust them and then have their back if, if they make a mistake. But if they, as, as long as somebody's making a mistake moving forward and it's positive and it's to help the member, I'm okay with that. If we can learn from it, but that will help them to, you know, like I said, feel more empowered and really um, they'll stay engaged uh, for much longer as an employee. Yeah. Khalid, what are your thoughts on this one? No, I mean, I agree with both, you know, Catherine and Scott. I think a lot of it is comes down to resourcefulness and, and teaching them where to find 
instead of throwing up the I don't know, you know, how do I how do we teach them to be resourceful so that they've exhausted everything they know how to do based off what they've been coached and developed and trained and educated on before it goes up to a general manager, right? So that the the member isn't what we call channel hopping, right? Going from the front desk to the AGM to the GM when it was a simple situation of I just need to update my building, but they just don't we they may have not been taught how to and you know are they resourceful to go find how to do that? So it's giving them the tools, teaching them about how to be resourceful. And then it's constant, it's constant training, right? It's, I, I think it's the one thing I'm, I'm always seeing is it's a one and done, right? You got hired today, you came in tomorrow, <laughs> we trained you and then see you later, right? Versus it, maybe it's every day, it's something different. Hey, walk me through, what do we do when a guest, first time guest comes in? What's our process? Walk me through that. How do you answer the phone, right? Phone etiquette. You know, it kills me how many times I call a club and, okay, hold on. Uh, can you wait a minute? Hold on a sec. I'm like, hold on. That's not how we say that. Uh, so a lot of it is constant training, constant retooling, um, teaching them how do I defuse a conversation, right? How do I take a, how do I take a, an upset member and, and have a conversation to where, you know, they're not triggered by the member and they know how to defuse it before you see a, before there's a head to head argument going on at the front desk. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Cause, um, obviously, you know, when you have like a lot of staff that you need to hire and if you're in a position where you're maybe low on staff, I think the instinct is to just kind of like hire someone and get them out onto the floor as quickly as possible. And sometimes these important steps of educating them on your culture and brand training kind of get missed. Um, something that I thought was interesting that Gainesville health and fitness does that I learned recently was they literally do um, role training. It's at the very end. So like when someone's hired, they don't even learn about the position that they're like, what they're going to specifically be doing until like weeks into the, the job. So they start off with like learning about Gainesville's history. Then they go into their culture and brand core values. Um, and then, yeah, they're not actually out on the floor um, doing their job until they've, you know, kind of gotten up to speed on how things are expected to run. So I think that was, I just thought that was interesting because sometimes it's the other way around. But um, yeah, Lisa, do you have anything to add on this one? Yeah, I think that it's important that, that our frontline staff, our front desk understands our vision and what our expectations are. And once they understand that, then we need to empower them to be able to deal with the member. And we train our employees don't treat the member the way you want to be treated. Treat the member the way they want to be treated. And how do we do that? We ask them, how can I fix this? How can I help you? What can I do to make you happy? And we do small things like we've got increment of different um, dollar value for gift cards at the front desk. And if we make a mistake, our front desk is empowered to give out um, a gift card and say, here, oops, we made a mistake. We are so sorry. Please use this on your next massage, on your next drink from the cafe, so on and so forth. So uh, again, it's that fast response. It's about enabling our frontline staff to take care of an issue on the spot as quickly as possible, instead of saying, oh, wait, let me get a manager. Let me get somebody to call you back. Because in the meantime, mm -hmm. the member is just boiling and it's just getting worse and worse. So that's how we handle it. Yeah, makes sense. One, one last <laughs> okay. thing, just to um, call up there as well. The, the first thing that we've all talked about is the onboarding and the training education. Um, what I like to call that's the what. Um, but I think we also have to look at the why. So I, I, you can tell somebody how to do their job, what their roles and responsibilities are from a cultural standpoint, how it protects the brand, why that service delivery is so, so critical, but we need to explain the why behind it. If we do, as long as we tie that to the, the actual functions and the tasks, and then they understand why it's important, then you get, then you got a home run. Yeah. Call it. No, I agree. I mean, I agree with Scott, right? It's, it's understanding the why, right? I mean, it's obviously understanding what our members are looking for. And right now we talked about it, cleanliness, a functional gym, right? The gym, the equipment is functional and friendliness, right? And so if we, if we're coaching our 
front desk team on, you know, are we cleaning the clubs at certain times throughout the day to make sure that it's clean so that the member feels safe coming to our gyms? Uh, when equipment goes down, how fast are we logging it into a maintenance binder or calling the tech to make sure it's getting up and working? Because there's nothing that upsets a member than a piece of equipment being down for three, four months and no one knows what's going on and why is it still down? And then obviously friendliness. We talked about it. Uh, knowing you're in, how do we make our gyms that third place? So it's that we always hear that cheers effect, right? How do we make it that third place to where it's like they got to go home, they got to go to work. And they come to the gym because it's fun. People know who they are. And because again, we're not, I've always been taught that third place isn't there, which it's the gym, but that third place is the wine, the wine, um, you know, the, the desserts, the wine, the Starbucks, um, the wine cat, you know, the, where that is what you're competing with is that third place. Cause nobody wants to work out, but man, I sure like a glass of wine, but we also, so how do we compete? How do we make our gyms feel just like that? So that, they're not thinking about the wine, they're coming to the gym. Yeah. Well, that leads well into my next question, which is how are you all operationalizing the member experience and ensuring that that experience is consistent across the board, especially for those operators who have multiple locations? Um, Anne, let's start with you. Uh, well, we do emphasize our core values and our customer service points from, again, from the interview on. Um, and I think because we do that, we, we've been lucky that we hire people who have it naturally. So in our case, we, we don't have to train those parts of it very much. I think what we have to do is support it um, when you talk about onboarding. So I think we have the friendliness usually down. It's not a home run every time. But if we start at the beginning about who we are, uh, what our core values are, like they said, give, um, give them training in certain situations. I've been here seven years. I started at the front desk. I know almost every situation that can come up and I have come up with uh, ways to deal with them. So that's a constant. You can't give it all in the first week. You just, sometimes it's after something comes up. Well, you know what? And another way you could have handled it was such and such without shaming them or feel like they've done something wrong or whatever. Um, but I think to support that for them um, is to have the programming in place. For example, if someone is coming in for our pickleball membership, we make sure we have beginner pickleball open play where there's always a coach there. So that, and that coach, their job is to make that person feel welcome. So it's, it's I think the programming is just as important um, in the onboarding for a lot of members because it's hard to always reach one individually that you're meeting each one's needs. But if your programming supports new members and allows them to come in easily and, and um, have that positive experience and where those beginner programs are, those people are really dialed into making that person feel great about being there and not intimidated by whatever that activity is. Yeah, great point. Scott, what are your thoughts on this one? This is, with the number of locations that we have, Rachel, just as you mentioned, this is so critical for us because we have to understand what the trends are that we're hearing and we're sensing from our members. Because if it's happening in, in certain clubs, it likely could or might be happening in other locations. So through that service member feedback platform that I mentioned earlier, we basically have a member service scorecard. And so we'll look at everything from, you know, the NPS score, which is your net promoters versus your detractors. We'll look at overall satisfaction, equipment availability, cleanliness, uh, to name a few. Uh, and we can monetize and numerize those, all those different factors for each club, for each region, for each operator. And so from there, we can sort of identify what those training opportunities might be. Uh, it, you know, obviously we have the cleaning protocols. So if I see a club score that doesn't have a really strong cleaning you know, score, uh, or we, we get a lot of member feedback that this is dirty or this piece of equipment is broken, that's gonna, I'm gonna be able to identify that and then go back in and, and see if that, that club is utilizing uh, the protocols and the processes that we have in place. Uh, but I think it's important to have that, that platform that like I said, on, an, on a daily basis, we have our teams going in, we have our franchise going in and they're looking at what the members are saying uh, and getting that feedback in real time they're able to resolve those issues. We can see how much time it takes. Somebody, let's say somebody calls in and wants to cancel. 
or they call in and they need to change their billing. We can see how much time it takes for that club to respond to that case uh, and then how long it takes them to get back to that member. Our goal is to respond to all feedbacks within 24 hours. And that's something that we're coaching all of our teams on because we know if we do that, the member doesn't get escalated. It does, you know, their emotion, we can keep that in check. Uh, the sooner we can resolve it, like I said before, in a win-win fashion, that's going to help with all of our, our member service scores. And that, in fact, obviously leads to um, that greater member experience uh, and those members staying longer and, and, and referring their friends. Yeah, makes sense. Catherine, what are your thoughts on operationalizing the member experience? Sure. So we definitely have um, the metrics that Scott was talking about. Um, to have a successful plan, though, to help to train the staff, we do have standard operating procedures. Even though we're only a one club operation, um, we want to make sure that we have it's it's written, it's trainable, and um, to be consistent, whether it's from employee to employee or month to month or half period of a year to the next half period of a year, we do lean on our standard operating procedures a good deal. And through those, we do have our non-negotiable standards, right? So if you're going to be somebody that's going to work here in our center, we want to make sure that you understand sort of the very simple, very basic things that have to happen. You have to stand up. Body position is a certain type when people are coming into your area. And it even is it's at the front desk, it's one particular body language um, adjustment, but on the fitness floor, it may be different but everybody knows their body language is a certain way in their area. Knowing names, smiling, meeting members' eyes before they meet ours. Those are all very, very small, very specific, non-negotiable standards though that have to happen so that the member experience is consistent anywhere they go within the center. Um, and then I think the other part of it is that collaboration between the departments, because maybe a member stops at the fitness desk, more they stop at the front desk. We want to make sure that the messaging we're receiving from members, good or bad, is then shared amongst all departments so we can work together. So it's a consistent experience anywhere they go in the building. Um, and then last thing would be that we celebrate the wins because we want to know everybody. It's important for everyone to know. Um, the things that we're doing well, and we need to celebrate those things. So um, we do that through uh, shout outs within the center. Um, and then we do have, we take some of the more, um, uh, the better reviews that we get through our member surveys, and we share those as member impact statements. So there yeah, you go. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to point out, so you mentioned that, um, like making eye contact with the members, I think that's really significant, because I think sometimes you'll go into businesses and the employees are almost like, actively avoiding the customer's gaze because they don't want to engage. And um, I think that's the cool thing about hospitality is that you do have an opportunity to like look people in the eye and make them feel seen. So you, Catherine, so you guys actually train your employees on making eye contact? Oh, I think you're muted, Catherine. <laughs> Oops, sorry. So at our front desk, there is, oh, it's probably 20 feet from the front door till they hit the front, the actual front desk to scan in. And so it's really important. We, we train our employees to watch that member as they're walking in, mm -hmm. right? Then, um, then they're meeting that member visually. And then as they get closer, then they can say good morning, good afternoon and have that meaningful greeting um, to, for that member. So we don't want the member to feel like as they're walking in and two employees are talking to one another, that that member is interrupting that mm -hmm. conversation. Or if somebody's on their cell phone, we don't want the member to feel like, oh, clearly they weren't expecting me. They're, they're not paying attention to me. And then at the last minute, the, the employee would look up. So yeah, we try and train them. So as they hit the threshold, we're watching and smiling and making on eye contact by the time that they come in. So yeah, that's really important. Um, and when it doesn't happen, we hear about it. <laughs> so <laughs> we set the standard, we set the bar really high and thankful for the members who are giving us that feedback when it's not happening, because that's important. Yeah, for sure. Lisa, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, um, to piggyback off what Catherine uh, said, we, we do something similar. We've got service standards. And they're very clear and defined. And it's the expectation 
of just walking into the club before you're even hired, what's expected of you. Mm -hmm. And we have them different um, for different areas of the club, whether you work front desk, member services, personal training, and they're very specific as far as um, the, when do you do the eye contact? When do you smile? What is your employee um, uh, clothing expectation? What is your uniform expectation? Um, how many rings can you have ring before you pick up the phone? So it's basics. And what we do is we send that when somebody's interviewing, we send the service standards along with the job description. And we let them know that the service standards are the bare minimum. And we ask the, the potential employee, can you, or we require this as a bare minimum. Can you do all these things? And then we will go through the interview process if they agree to adhere to the service standards. So, and even on our evaluations, we pull in the service standards. And when we eval somebody, we make sure, you know, we they're following all the service standards because it's just clear expectations. And let's face it, in the society that we're in now, we can't expect anybody to understand how to react and how to, to conduct themselves in a hospitality environment. We have got to train everybody on the expectations. And if we do that, we're in pretty good shape, I feel. Yeah, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, just uh, tying on to what Lisa just mentioned, it has to be modeled from the top. I think where, where we find this has got to be really successful and where it really gets traction is that everybody throughout the organization needs to share these responsibilities. So operational, you know, operations manuals, standard operating procedures are, are obviously significant, but it takes uh, the, the ownership, the leadership, the, you know, the managers and not, and not having somebody that's just going to say, here, you go do. You know, I want to see, we want to see the general managers that are out there or the department heads that, that they're taking the tough phone calls, that they're the, they're the people that are showing and modeling the, the required behavior or their desired behavior, because we can learn and we can get our team members to, you know, really understand what the expectation is, uh, as long as our team members are leading it from the front. Yeah, definitely. I'll go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I, one thing I, I try to do, and it's much easier because I'm a single club, we're pretty lean um, employee, employees, but um, at, there are times when a front desk staff needs to be, uh, a shift needs to be covered. I've had to cover maintenance. I've had to cover different things. And it's amazing how much I learn when I'm back on the front desk, um, things that are missing on the front desk going, oh my God, well, I didn't realize they were having to deal with this um, or gosh, I think there's a better way we can handle this. I think it's, I love it. I love it when I'm on the front desk. It reminds me of when I started, but it also gives me such eyes into it. Uh, maintenance, it was the same thing. I had to close for a week um, and do all the maintenance stuff because we're, we're really hard to find staff. And so we were down one person and it's very insightful. Every time I do it, I can come up with a new process or I'm more understanding of some of their challenges. So I encourage it when it can happen to try and fill those roles for a shift or a few days or whatever. Um, it's very right. insightful to, to know yeah. where maybe you're and, lacking. And, right. And I think yeah. somebody else mentioned earlier, having feedback and learning from those folks that are up there in the front line, because they really see it in real time. They understand what's happening and they can help you to what Ann mentioned, come up with those solutions. And that, again, that ties back into that buying and that engagement. You know, what are you seeing, Mr. Front Desk person? What are you seeing, clean team member? Um, you know, what, how can we do this more efficiently? Uh, and you'll get your best ideas from those, those folks that are, that are right there in the front line. Yes, yeah. Scott, because nobody knows our, our members more than our frontline staff. And we would be a, a doing a disjustice if we don't ask our frontline staff, you know, what's going on, get the temperature from our frontline right. staff because they know they know the drill, they know what's going on. Yeah. Awesome. Call it. Is there anything you'd like to add on operationalizing the member experience? I think, you know, for it's kind of similar to what Scott was talking about is teaching our GM for us, you know, with six clubs in my region and 12 as a company, it's teaching our GMs how to, how to be four wall operators, right? Cause you, you, they, they, they sometimes fall into the trap of 
just production and then everything else is silo has its own yeah. silo and understanding as a gm you're running the four walls of a multi-million dollar health club and the one the, the most important part of that club is what's happening at that front desk and so get it like ANSYS, having them work the front desk. Um, you know, so we have it built in where there's an hour or two of their day where a GM's actually working the front desk. And usually it's kind of in that middle of the day where it's not as busy, but at least it gets some reps at the front desk, engaging with the members as they're checking in and, and throughout that time period. So they can get some feedback on how are you? How are things going? Anything I can do for you? And members always love seeing the GM working the front desk. So uh, they get a kick out of it. So that was our open up for conversations. And then for us, it's the MXM reviews that we use. Um, we use MXM for our survey. So being able to take, extract that information, both good, bad, indifferent. And then there's coaching opportunities, there's celebration opportunities. There's aim. Hey, let's continue to do this. Maybe we got to tweak this, but I think, to sum all that up, it goes back to our core values, right? What do you, you know, for us, it's excellence, it's passion, it's tenacity. And so for us, it's like, what do you, so what does excellence look like at the front desk? What does tenacity look like at the front desk? What does passion look like at the front desk? And you're, remember, we talked about it at the retreat. There's education and there's training. Let me educate you on our core values and what that means to your specific role. And now let me give you the training with the SOPs, the tools, the manuals to make sure you're executing on your job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you can't, and to Kyle's, to Kyle's point, you can't have one without the other. Nope. It, it, unless you have the culture, unless you talk about those standing, you know, you know, like you said, what's in your DNA? You yep. got to have that first. What, what yep. is, what's most important to you as an organization? And then when that is coupled with the, you know, the how to's, uh, then you've got a winning ticket. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this hour has flown by. I think we have time for just a couple it more has. questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so I want to ask just two more questions. One, the first one is, could each of you go around and maybe just share one example of a program or strategy that you feel is really helping with retention? Um, and then we'll get to the final question. Um, but Anne, let's start with you. Um, again, I, it goes to programming. Um, I, again, we have tennis and pickleball. So uh, for the uh, tennis clinics, we always give them the first one free. Number one, that um, introduces them to our uh, pros and the pro can kind of evaluate them. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with tennis, but people tend to um, rate themselves a little higher than what they typically are. And once <laughs> we have that down, when we really know where they fit within our groups, um, we can then funnel them to those groups. Um, so we always give like a free clinic or um, same with pickleball or free masters just to introduce them and um, engage them quickly. And, and, and it allows us, again, oh, we know they're a new member. We're seeing where they need to be, uh, where their needs are. And then we have a lot more information to funnel them. Yeah, perfect. Catherine, what about you? So um, with the pandemic, we started first with Zoom with the director. So I had Zoom, even when we were closed, I would have a Zoom session, invite any member who wanted to come to it, ask me questions. I would have a short agenda so that I could present on some things that especially were pandemic related, um, but that's transitioned into member advisory committees. And so I have those quarterly and um, sometimes they're general topics. Other times they are very specific. That's been outstanding to connect with the members and have some one-on-one, -on -one, well, group and one-on-time with them so that I can get their feedback on some of the um, issues that we were dealing with. That, that's been really great. Yeah, very cool. Lisa, what about you? Well, um, like I said at the beginning, we like to celebrate, party, and have fun here. So um, what we do at the beginning of their membership, everybody, they, they get a, a program card and it's 15 items and it's items that we want to drive the new member to. For example, um, if they check out our website, they, they get a mark. If they return a towel instead of stealing one, they get a mark. Um, <laughs> if they meet a maintenance, a maintenance person, they get a mark. Why do we want them to meet a maintenance person? So if there's an issue around the club, they'll know who to go to. Um, if, if they try a new class. So we list 15 different items. And if they get 10 of the items completed before the first 30 days, they get a t-shirt. And oh my God, all of our new members want a free t-shirt and it's just free <laughs> advertising for us. But the whole thing is 
it's fun doing it. They get they get to go around the club. Will you will you mark me? I've got this. I did this. So <laughs> just make it fun. Make mm-hmm. it happy. Make it just energize it. Make it enthusiastic for your members, and they will keep coming back through your doors. All right. I love the creativity on that one. It's a fun, yeah. Seems like a fun just game scavenger hunt kind of. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Um, Scott, what are your, uh, your thoughts on this one? I think that the, we, it's already been called out, but I just wanted to reiterate, I believe that we, the members are joining our clubs to get results and to have a great member experience and to feel connected to the community. And so I think that the most critical thing that we offer is our crunch one kickoff. So it's not, it's not about personal training. It's about getting that person uh, in front of a couple of our team members. One, it could be the you know, club manager. Usually it is tied to personal training or personal training manager, but really it's to help them feel comfortable inside of the gym. Uh, the, more, the sooner we can get that person integrated and to have them feel a part of the community, uh, whether it's through group fitness or whether it's through the personal training department, those are the people that, that stay the longest. Those are the folks that have the highest retention scores. And those are the people that are the most loyal uh, and, and our biggest promoters of our programs and services. So I say connecting people to personal training or to that crunch one kickoff and also getting them conducted to our, our, our fitness and group, our group fitness classes. Yeah. All right, Colin, could you share a specific example of a thing that leads to retention? Yeah, I mean, ours is kind of similar to what Scott is doing over at his, at his facilities, which are, are just called, it's called a game plan session. We call it a GPS. Uh, so when you tie in a GPS, it's kind of, it's the roadmap from, you know, you came in today, what's your GPS, right? What's your roadmap to get to your goal? We actually give them three. So we've gone away from, because we, obviously the, we don't want that experience. We don't want them to feel like they're coming into that first game plan session and it's this awkward, I got to buy something. Someone's going to try to sell me something. So the first one's all about just what your goals, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? We'll take you on the floor. We actually, we, we will present a program. Like here's, here's based off what I'm seeing and based off what you've told me, here's the right program for you. But if they say, look, right now is not the right time. No worries. We partner up with DotFit. So we actually bring them back for a second one about 40 hours, 48 hours later. And we do a full nutrition breakdown. So we'll, we'll put in their calories, figure out their weight, figure out their goal, figure out caloric intake expenditure. Um, and then use between those two, they get a third at the end of 30 days, we'll revisit the conversation. So what happens is you've got game plan one, game plan two, you've got a nutrition program you can follow. You've got now two different types of a workout. So let's do this over the next 30 days. We're going to schedule an appointment 30 days from now to see how you're doing. But here's something you can do over the next 30 days that at least keeps them engaged. They got a program because here's the easiest thing for a member to do is walk in, go to the treadmill and hit quick start. And they, yeah. and they never see the other 20,000 square feet of the gym because they just don't know what to do. And look, whether you're paying 10 bucks a month or 150 bucks a month, it all becomes expensive when all you have to do is all you know how to do is hit quick start on right. a treadmill. So mm-hmm. we want to integrate them into the club, into the fitness, into the weight room, our recovery, our group X. So there's something for them to do besides just go right into personal training. So instead of this, like, new member personal training it's like maybe it's group x maybe it's recovery and then maybe eventually 30 days from now when they realize for themselves hey you know what i've tried it and i'm not getting the results i want to see now i'm going to raise my hand and say hey trainer you've been top of mind because you've helped me i'm ready to buy i'm ready to invest in personal training yeah awesome all right well we are about out of time so i'm going to have each of you go around real quickly if you could and just share your uh, final piece of advice on customer experience to the audience and let's start with you um just i I really don't think customer service has changed um now it, it wanes and stuff but i think people are the same as they were in the 50s the 60s the 70s and just being seen being heard it's really that simple i i i i think sometimes we make a big deal out of it but I, I and I do think it's a golden rule treat them as you'd like to be treated um and it doesn't yeah it doesn't mean being the same for everyone but it's it's huge and it makes a difference it's say I feel customer service and sales are the same thing because if yeah. you have the customer service the sales will come yeah awesome Catherine yes so two things come to mind so very quick 
we are in the relationship business with the side of fitness. So remember <laughs> in that order, um, people first. And then by the way, you can come here and work out too, if you want to. Um, and uh, value for people has very, there's multiple different definitions for value. So always be on the pursuit to find what value is for those members and then work to deliver it. Awesome. Lisa. Yeah, I, we live in a very entitled world right now. It's very stressful. It's very challenging. And so I would just say, be true to yourself, be true to your club, be transparent. And if you love what you do and you show your employees and you show your members that you love them, customer service just comes naturally. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Colin. Um, I think, I mean, I think we got to remember, right? Members, they, they come join us because of our product or service, but they leave us because of lack of customer service or a service failure. But when you get it right, they, they repurchase, right? They keep buying. They end up buying more things over time and get who's your biggest advocate that's going around wearing your t-shirt and spreading your gospel all around your community or is the member that got a great experience. I think if you remember that the customer loyalty that's created from a great customer's experience is bar none going to fill your clubs. Yeah. All right. Last but not least, Scott. Oh, thank you. Uh, the, I think I mentioned this earlier. Um, it is something that has to be uh, a shared responsibility. What I like to say is everyone in the, on the team from the ownership on down to the frontline team members has to own the member experience, uh, whatever that means. If it's a service, you know, if it's a service issue with cleanliness, if it's a question a member has, if it's helping somebody with a, a locker that they forgot their key, whatever that looks like, everybody needs to share in this experience uh, and make it their personal mission uh, to change one life every day. And if everybody in your team takes that same approach uh, and owns that member experience, we'll be in, we'll be in great shape. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being so candid and sharing um, all of these awesome best practices on customer experience. I'm sure the audience got a lot out of it. I know I certainly did. So um, and the audience, thank you for tuning in. And yeah, again, thanks everyone. And everyone have thank a you. great rest of your day. Bye you guys. Too. See ya. Take care. Bye guys. Thank you guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. -bye. Bye.